confusing. We were trying to count down on our fingers and things got a little stressful. Uh, we lost control of the situation as we normally do. Like yeah. usual. Well, my window was, I couldn't see all your fingers, so I thought you were at yeah, two. Yeah, I only saw, I thought you were, <laughs> I saw t- you when you were at two and I thought it was just one, so we're fine. We're professionals. Who knows what fingers Welcome are Welcome to, anyway. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking? Today, I have tequila and soda water. Isn't that fun? Mm, I have $11 rosé. Mm, I haven't been able to drink rosé since the last time I drank rosé. We won't talk about it. <laughs> I'll never forget, and somehow I've forgotten that whole day, so. I forgot yesterday. I don't know what it was, so. Uh, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't remember what I was doing 15 minutes ago, or where time, I put my phone or my glasses or whatever. I've lost. Time is a flat circle, as they say on True Detective, which was really good for one season. Remember how good it was? I We did watch the first season, and that was it. I think there was a lot of hype around it, and I don't, as you know, I don't like liking things that other people like, so I was like, had my, I was really skeptical the whole time, but it was okay. I am horny for Woody Harrelson, uh, which is something I'm fine with. Yeah, I get it. She's making a face at me. <laughs> I am making a face. I'm, I'm used to the face, but it. I don't know what to tell you. It works for me. Like present day Woody Harrelson or like Cheers Woody Harrelson? All Any of Woody it. Harrelson. The spectrum. Yeah. Okay. Like bloated, drunk dad Woody Harrelson. Now, I'm still good for it. Okay. I mean, I guess so. Sure. I support okay, whatever. Okay, Matthew Lillard, Stan. <laughs> You're going to bring up Matthew Lillard every time? He's great. Every time, yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, so this is the Spooky Succubus cast. I'm Abigail Welty. I'm Rebecca Nancy. You want me to say my middle name, too? My maiden name? Well, are you legally Nava or are you legally Mencia? No, I never changed my name. I think I'm going to change mine. I want a new name. Right. Richter is fun. It's like a fun name. It's- like sexy yeah Richter um and then people in my life will be like but you're like a feminist why would you change your name I'm like because I want a new name you can do what you want don't (laughs) and I can do that if I want to yeah yeah I mean I just um am profoundly lazy and I just never really got around to it it does seem like quite a bit of paperwork yeah and I was like we were really young when we got married and we were also moving across the country at the time and I just like couldn't find I couldn't carve out the time in my day to go down to a municipality to figure it out so I just didn't you know what I would say it's pretty frustrating to enter a municipal building either it's going to be a really simple exchange or part of your soul will die there so it's not worth the risk yeah and I yeah I mean then I would have to change like my email address and all my like paperwork and like I just it seemed like a lot and whatever Oh, I didn't think about having to change my email address. I probably won't. <gasps> I'd be like your dead name. Abigail Welty. It's not exactly a dead name, though, right, because... Because yeah. you're fine with that. You do the hyphen thing? It. <laughs> yeah. it seems, no, like, too long. don't... No, it's so much, yeah. I also have a really long name. My name is, like, 12 syllables or something. Your middle name is Victoria, right? Yeah. So... My first and my middle name are eight alone, and that, yeah, so. It's It's a mouthful. Yeah, I got enough problems, but. Like most millennial (laughs) women of my age group, my middle name is Rose. Uh, Shout out if your name is Rose also. (laughs) I love that name. So this, 
Thank you so much. Thank you. So this is a podcast about horror movies uh, through an anti-capitalist, anti-racist, feminist lens. Uh, we're trying to give a seat at the table and reevaluate the way we think about marginalized people in horror movies. And today we're talking about Suspiria, Suspiria. from 1977. It's like a darkness in the night, Suspiria. That's all I kept thinking about when the titles were rolling. That's pretty funny. Uh, what did you think of the music in this movie? I loved it. The goblins I did too. are great. Adam Adam was like, can you turn that down? And I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I love the moaning. I lo- it's just like, yeah, great 70s synth music. I, I was. I so good. So uh, I had never seen this movie, which is kind of weird because it's like essentially tailor made for my taste. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like exactly what I want. Uh, but I did watch the 2018 version, and now that I've seen both, I um, think positively of both movies and uh, appreciate how the 2018 version made kind of like switches and adjustments to make the final girl dynamic a little bit more complex. Mm. And the 2018 version is an all-female cast, which is really cool. Oh, that's cool. No Pavlos yeah. being um, No creepy being objectified. Uh, housekeepers. Um, no. Uh, uh, yeah. I never, despite lying and telling everyone how much I love horror, because I do love it, but I don't know anything about it. I'm realizing more and more as we do this podcast. I had, yeah, this is like a staple that both of us probably should have seen already. Um, yeah, but we didn't. But I'd so never don't. seen it, and I've never seen another uh, Argento movie. Although I do, I will uh, watch some now. I kind of want to watch. Well, there's like the trilogy. Argento says, "Yeah, this is um, like the second or third in the three mothers." This, no, well, I think that the mother. Mother of, uh, oh shit, you guys. There's uh, Darkness, Mother of uh, Sights, and then Mother of Tears or something, right? So there, no, this is Mother of Sighs, which is why there's so much moaning. Suspiria is the Mother of Sighs. And then uh, there's Inferno, which is the the first one this, wait. No, Inferno came after. I think there was, there was meant to be three. I'm sorry, I'll hear Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Okay. So Suspiria comes first, then Inferno, and then in 2007, Argento and his daughter, Asia, uh, along with, um, I think, the screenwriter, who's also Asia Argento's mother, uh, who is Daria Nicolodi, they come back together to make The Mother of Tears, which is supposed to be a prequel to Suspiria. Mm. So I think it goes Mother of Tears, Suspiria, then Inferno. And then Tenebrae is, like, tenuously connected, but it is more of a giallo film, which I learned. Did you learn about this? I did, yes, yeah. Uh, Which um, is more of, like, a mystery thriller, uh, and so it's tangentially connected, but it is um, more in this sort of, like, noir setting. Uh, And giallo means yellow in Italian, and that's the term for mystery and thriller films named after these sort of popular pulp books that had yellow covers that were really popular in Italy. So (laughs) we did some mild research. Very vague, vague research. But I definitely think we should um, do the whole whole trilogy. And it's based on Thomas de Quincey's Lavana and the Ladies of Sorrow, and then the it's like based on these mothers 
stepmothers who generate the world's sorrows um, from yeah, their so shadowed houses. There's three graces, three fates, and then um, that essay purports that there's also three sorrows. So we have the mother of darkness who has agency over New York, the mother of tears who is in Rome, and then the mother of sighs, Mater Suspiriorum, who is in Freiburg, Germany in this version, but she is in Berlin in the remake, which I think is a little bit more of an interesting take. Hmm. But uh, we've said enough of the bullshit that we found out on Wikipedia, so should we dive in? Yeah, let's uh, let's go through the plot. It's my turn, unfortunately. I, I tried my hardest, okay? I, no promises. I'm sure it's great. We'll see. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Okay. There's a lot of talk of um, music. I tried to really keep the, because the set is gorgeous. It is chef's kiss. With beautiful. a capital G. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so I tried not to comment too much on it, because otherwise that's all I would be talking about. Same with the sounds. I was like, oh, there's a lot of piano music. Wait, no, that's not part of the plot. But technically it sort of is. So... Let's get into it. Sounds like we're off to a we're very off to a great start. It's not and con- normal start. It's not yeah. convoluted <laughs> at all. Um, so we open on crashing erratic high pitched tones that fade into soft piano music. Uh, the narrator tells us that Susie Banyan has decided to perfect her dance practice at the most celebrated ballet school in Europe, the Academy of Fribourg. And I'm not saying that right at all. Uh, she left New York and arrived in Germany the next night. Around 10 p.m. We see um, we see a flipping board with flight times and then passengers leaving the airport. A young brunette woman in a silk scarf, who we assume to be Susie, heads for the exit and we see it's pouring rain. She flags down a taxi by jumping into the middle of the street very dangerously and tells the driver she's going to Essa Strausa. As the taxi driver goes through the trees, the piano music is cut with guttural moaning and sighing. And then someone whisper screams, witch, which is going to come up a lot later. As they pull up to the school, a young woman is in the doorway yelling to someone inside, but we can't hear what she's saying. As Susie approaches, the young woman runs off, closing the door behind her. Susie buzzes the intercom just outside and tells the person who answers who she is and that she's already informed the school of her late arrival. The person on the other end seems distressed and tells her to go away and then stops answering. She gets back in the taxi and leaves. From inside the taxi, Susie sees the woman who had just run off stumbling through the woods, and she seems to be, like, um, stressed and, like, being sort of attacked by something. We then follow this woman to a beautiful apartment building where she heads up to the third floor. She has come to a friend's place to stay the night and tells her tells the friend that she's going away forever. We learn that the young woman had been kicked out of school, and she tells her friend that's not what she cares about, but she's learned something unbelievable, and there's no use in explaining it to her because it's too fantastic to believe. While in the bathroom, the window bursts open and startles her. The friend comes in to try to comfort, but then realizes that she just needs some space, and then she leaves. Um, The woman goes to the window and is starting to get spooked, and then she sees eyes floating in midair. A hairy arm with long fingernails bakes through the window and pushes her face up against the glass. Uh, it's kind of funny. It's pretty funny. It's like, rrr, 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 
up against the for <laughs> yeah. a minute <laughs> um for like a long time yeah like, you're like yeah no i get it i'm yeah. there it cuts back and forth between that and the woman being on the other side of the door multiple times um her head is then pushed through the window on the other side and then she's taken honestly out. i was like thank god she's through the window and no longer going (laughs) she's suffered enough um and then she's taken to the roof uh and stabbed repeatedly the hairy arms tie her up and continue stabbing her she falls through the stained glass ceiling um and her friend is has run out of the apartment and is banging on other doors for help but isn't getting a response and then she ends up in the lobby floor and sees her friend coming through the ceiling um, the, when the ceiling falls with the young woman's body is tied by a noose from the rope and then the friend is, has been punctured by the falling ceiling and also, and is also dead. Um, then we see a blind man with a seeing eye dog approaching the school. He ties the dog up outside and heads in just as Susie in a sparkly scarf this time. Oh, I love the outfit. It's like, yeah, hung backwards. People don't do that enough anymore. Yeah, I know. I feel like I want to do it, but people will be like, look at that bag lady that uh, probably Fuck them. <laughs> needs to take do a it shower. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, I just want to point out, too, that Susie, at every opportunity, wears the most inappropriate shoes to do anything in this movie. I was, it, like, at the she end, she knows problems. she's going to, like, at the very end, she knows that she's like you can't in pursuit wear high of the heels truth. To go sneaking around, yeah. yeah, don't do it. They're not sneaking around shoes. They're not practical in any way, shape, or form. Um, no. So, Susie in her sparkly scarf and high heels is back at the school. She is she enters and is greeted by Mrs. Tanner, Miss Tanner, who's one of the instructors. She tells her that she arrived last night, but someone on the call box wouldn't let her in. Miss Tanner introduces Susie to Madame Blank. A once famous ballerina who is now the vice directress. Madame Blank says that she knows Susie Banyan's Aunt Carol from her time in New York. She also tells her that the directress is traveling and unfortunately won't be able to meet her. Well, what if Susie's Aunt Carol I know we is don't. the mother of darkness? We like never get to, we don't know anything about Carol, but it seems very. Maybe it's in, maybe it's in one of the other movies. Maybe it's in Inferno. Right. I think Inferno's set in New York. Um, no spoilers. Don't tell us. I don't want to know anything <laughs> about us. anything. Um, so, Madame Blank goes on to say that a recently expelled student. Why are you saying blank? Isn't it blank? I thought it was blank. I, okay, so also this movie is dubbed and on. I watched it on Tubi, which is free, so that's where you should watch it too. Um, that's also where I watched it. It doesn't have subtitles, which bothers me because I have like undiagnosed so, ADHD, so I need like something tried, to focus on. I tried to put on the YouTube generated subtitles, and it was like reading like a really bad newscast because it was like just generating them. It, they aren't like actually closed captions that are done for the film they're just trying to like i I don't know how they do it so it would be like freeboard academy duh do do burp burp and i was like this is helping (laughs) so i don't know anyone's name i just know like phonetically how it sounded so i thought it was blank i think keep going with blank that's how i wrote it in my notes so um it might be blank 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 madam blank um 
Yeah, and the dubbing is super bizarre because all of the actors just spoke in their native languages and then they essentially just figured it out later, <laughs> which is why sometimes you're like, is that dubbed? And then other times you're like, that's not She's dubbed. She's talking, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's a common practice in Italian in film, Italy. films. Yeah. And he was just like, well, I'm going to do it here and I don't give a shit if American audiences don't like it. So, And we dealt with it. We're fine. Good for him. Yeah, I'm fine. Good for him. Um, except for I don't know what anyone's name is. So, properly. So, Madam... Oh, I just... So, here's what I did. I followed along <laughs> in the Wiki... <laughs> I followed along in the Wikipedia plot write-up so that I could figure out what people's names were. And then I just could... I had to be careful not to, like, you know, go too far ahead and spoil it right. for myself. Um, it was hard work, but someone had to do it. You honestly. had to do it. And, I mean, I watched it twice, and I still didn't, couldn't really discern what anyone's name is. I thought about watching it twice, and then I was like, I think I, I'm good. I, I like, I can't, like, write, focus on the movie and what's happening and all of my thoughts about it, and also type at the same time, like, what's going, actually going on it. So I have to watch it twice. Or it doesn't, or my plots don't make any sense. Do you think you're actually ADD? Yeah, I really do. And I watched, Are you diagnosed? No. So I watched this uh, TikTok. Uh, thanks, Maya, for re- TikTok your is kind of <laughs> TikTok is kind of like fixing my life, but also destroying it. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So I so it was like I came across this video. It was like what movies think ADHD looks like, and it was like, oh, here, let me sit down and write this email. Oh, look, a squirrel, and then the person runs off. But what it when the person, this doctor on TikTok, was like, actually, what it looks like is oh, I have to sit down and write this email. But before I do that, I forgot to put laundry in. Before I do the laundry, I should probably gather up all my clothes. Yeah. Then you start gathering up clothes and you're like, oh my God, I never made the bed. Oh my God, I haven't had coffee yet. And then that's like literally my entire day is me going, oh wait, I didn't do that. Oh, and then I get nothing done. So I have like a hundred half-finished tasks. That's why I constantly have to like, I have to be listening to like a podcast or music while I'm doing something so that I'm half distracted by it so that I can like focus on what I'm supposed to be focusing on now I'm wondering if I have ADHD (laughs) maybe we all have ADHD I don't know or maybe I don't and I'm just a fucking idiot (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) maybe I just like can't function um yeah well that's pretty interesting and yeah I think I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I need another mental health diagnosis. Like, I think I'm actually good. So. I'm all set. I got enough. But I thought I'd just, like, throw another one in there for fun. Why not? Yeah. And then uh, this person that I work with has, uh, they do have ADHD, like, prescribed. And he had Adderall. And he was like, just take half of one and, like, you'll, like, feel more up or whatever and I was like I've never I don't really want to do that I'm, I don't really like taking pills and then I so, but it was like a long day and I took one anyway Uh-oh. Bork alert Bork alert uh and then I felt nothing really and he's like you probably have ADHD then if it yeah, didn't <laughs> yeah. so that was probably like welcome a welcome to like a normal functional level where people that don't have ADHD are yeah exactly so he was like, yeah, because otherwise it, like, really, it makes you, like, it's, like, an upper. And I was like, no, I yeah. feel, like, normal. So, yeah. Did you feel, like, any more focused or just kind of, like, fine? Yeah, I was, like, a little more, like, able to, like, not bounce around as much. Because, yeah, work is also, like, I think that's probably why 
uh, the service industry is easier for me because multitasking comes easier because I can. Like, I don't have to just focus on one, sitting at a computer and doing one thing. I can, like... Well, spoiler alert, I sit at a computer, but I don't do a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not like I... I'm like, I'm going to really accomplish this task. It's a lot of, like, I'm depressed. I think I'm going to watch Housewives. I should send this email. Yeah. Good times, man. Good times. Well, it's cool how you can't get a diagnosis because you don't have health insurance because of capitalism. Yeah. God, capitalism is the worst. We'll get into that a little bit, too. There's a lot to talk about that we're not focused (sighs) on. We're not focused on We should get back into it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, People who are listening to the podcast are like, yeah, we knew you had ADHD. Um, Like we knew before you did. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Madame Blanc, Blanc, she tells Susie that they recently ha- a recently expelled student Pat was killed just last night by quote some madmen and that her room won't be ready yet because of that um, but they the school- which didn't make a lot of sense to me right unless they had to like hide something which is what I'm assuming happened which is probably what they had to do yeah um, so the school's arranged for Susie to stay with a third year student but it will cost her 50 of her American dollars a week which will be deducted from her school fees Miss Tanner is going to show Susie around, but as they start to go up the stairs, Susie overhears Madame Blanc talking with the police, and she tells the room at large, which is like shouting across the staircase, that she saw the woman leave the school last night around 10, but offers no other useful information. Miss Tanner, like, why? That's not how I would have approached it, but God love her, you know. Whatever. She was, she's just trying to, like, have fun at her new school. Uh, Miss Tanner begins. Yeah, she's so fun. <laughs> uh, it seems like a sketchy start. I don't know if I would have like ever come back if they just never let me in and I don't like. I think I'm gonna go home. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So she obviously knows the girl that she saw leave was brutally murdered later in the evening, and she got turned away like suspiciously. I probably would have been like something's wrong or called ahead. I'm not sure. <laughs> Some I would have done something else besides just walk I in think calmly. Once I was put, yeah, once I was put on a restricted diet of like blood, I think I would have been like, "This isn't great." Like, not sure that this is working for me, but we'll get into it. Um. So as they head up the stairs, Miss Tanner begins to tell her about their program, but stops to introduce her to the school's handyman, Pavlos. She, Miss Tanner remarks that he is ugly and only speaks Romanian and just got his teeth replaced. Fool's teeth. I didn't even, I, I didn't catch the teeth replacement, but uh, glad to have that Interesting. Info. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Miss Tanner introduces Susie to all the girls in the locker room and then leaves. Uh, Susie meets Olga, the third year student who she'll be staying with. She needs to borrow a pair of shoes for the day, and one of the women offers but gets weird about money. She then sits down next to Sarah, who who tells her that everyone is weird about money around here. Weird that she didn't bring her dance shoes from she her just, suitcase. She just, like, glided in with her scarf and not like, a care sorry, in the world. Yeah. yeah. What do you think's going to happen today? <laughs> um, we learn that Olga and Sarah don't like each other. At Olga's, once again, gorgeous apartment... What the hell is with that apartment? I was like, I just drooled. The, also, the first time I watched the this, I was just like, oh, thing. like this whole, the I movie know. is beautiful. So much good wallpaper. And even the blood is like very stylized and aesthetically pleasing because it's oh, red, red, red. Because it's Technicolor Baby, yeah. which we'll talk about. 
Abby knows more about this than I do. I know. I know nothing about it. <laughs> um, uh, so the young, a young man from the school whose name is Mark, that we don't learn that until way later. Way, 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 way later. If they say it one time, you better catch it. Full disclosure, I never learned it until right now. <laughs> I just was like, Miss Tanner's punch boy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's hot, but she okay. Susie, he's hot. Like, she's like, they're oogling like, and googling each other, yeah. She's like, you're as emaciated as I am. So thin. Uh, so Very thin people in this movie. We'll get into that. That's my realm, the ballerina I'm body I'm also talk. sorry, sorry, Rebecca, that you've had to watch me aggressively putting on lotion. <laughs> I love like it. I hope the, four the listeners can hear the squishing. It's very dry here. <laughs> It's winter in other parts of the world. I'm sweating over here, so. I'm sweating over here, too, so. Called out. (laughs) I didn't mean to bring up a sore subject. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Mark is dropping off Susie's things, and they seem to like each other. Olga is painting her nails and dressed very nicely and extravagantly. Her hair is coiffed in a very strange Uh. way. It's a very strange quaff also. Time to throw that nail polish out, girlfriend. That is very clumpy and tacky. Yeah, it took her a lot, and she wasn't getting the edges. What are you doing? No, she was going over the same spot, and I was I was losing it, because <laughs> attention to detail is paramount in my home, right. which is why I'm sitting in front of a basket of unfolded laundry on a bed where my dog just chewed up a pine cone, and I'm just sitting on a chewed up pine cone. <laughs> There are other more important things, like our podcast, to worry about. Yes. Um, so, who am I talking about? We, while So, Olga is painting her nails while also talking on the phone, while also talking to Susie. Bork alert. Uh, Bartleby's really distressed because... Uh, is Caesar home? Because Caesar is not home, so he doesn't feel settled oh. and safe. He's at the grocery store. So he's like, who is there? Is it dad? Are you home? So what kind of tacos is Caesar making? Uh, cauliflower. Um, I just want to announce to the <laughs> podcast that I have been unfair to cauliflower in the past, but through the efforts of Rebecca, my wonderful partner, and my sister, I have decided to give cauliflower another chance. I love cauliflower. Underrated vegetable, in my opinion. Just wanted to have that mini cauliflower press conference. I don't eat meats. I don't eat the meats so i have to my call i should stop eating meats don't i do whatever you feel is right but um the other night we tried we had a like it was supposed to be crispy tofu with like snap peas and like a cashew sauce but i just don't think tofu really gets crispy it just doesn't work for me it's too it gets a little gooey i love it's tofu just gooey um i think it's probably like, for the same reasons you love ricotta you fucking freakily um but i can't have a lot of tofu or soy, because it affects me hormonally, so I just get really bad clumps, which is not fun. I hate it. I'm like, I have been, I'm off dairy milk. This is like, no <laughs> who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm off dairy milk, and uh, so I am mostly soy milk, but I also feel like it kind of like fucks up my hormonal vibes, so maybe I should go oat. What do you use? Almond. Wow, that's really bad for the environment. It is very bad for the environment. <laughs> I also don't drink that much almond milk. Only in like I use like a quarter cup for some smoothies. Yeah, and I today just I had a very oversized cereal. Cereal, yeah. 
I'm on a serious cereal kick right now. I'm just tearing up that special K with red berries lately. Ooh. Um, but I do like oat it's milk. It's like... You can't gaslight me into thinking that hemp milk is good because it's not good. So don't I even try. am not going to gaslight you into thinking any kind of milk is good. <laughs> but I think we've talked enough about how have we? dairy milk gives us. I diarrhea, have more to so. say. <laughs> Yogurt. No, I'm just kidding. Um. So. <laughs> um. So who are we talking about? Where am I? Beautiful uh, apartment. Right, she's dressed right. nicely. She's on the phone. Uh, she, Weird quaff, bad nail polish. Bad nail yeah. polish. Um, she tells, Olga tells Susie that Mark doesn't have any money and can't always, is having trouble coming up with his room and board fee. So Mrs. Miss Tanner makes him run a bunch of errands and has him under her thumb. Olga says Pat deserved to be kicked out because she caused trouble and knew everyone's business. She also implies that Pat and Mark were a thing. At the school, Madame Blanc tells Susie her room is ready, but Susie says she would rather stay at Olga's. Madame Blanc is upset about this, and Miss Tanner remarks on Susie's strong will. While heading to the next room, she encounters an older woman who is only credited as the cook, um, polishing dinnerware alongside Madame Blanc's young, spookily dressed nephew, Albert. <laughs> He's so spookily dressed. Um, He's like a like wayfish Victorian child suffering from tuberculosis. With his like, like blonde mushroom haircut. Uh, yeah, I was like, it's 1977, you guys. It's horrific. <laughs> um, she also. I just want to point out that like none of these plot points even go anywhere like albert goes nowhere just forget about albert because it pretty much doesn't matter uh mark and his whole like being miss tanner's henchman like pretty much goes nowhere as well um but they're so they're in so many scenes like if we cut all that out it would just be like girl arrives at school girl learns about witches girl gets almost murdered by her friend's corpse is the end anyway i gave it away too bad the end. I just want to point out, <laughs> spoilers, I just like, they're so obsessed with Mark and the fact that he's like following Miss Tanner around, but then nothing happens. She's wa- As she's walking down the hallway, she's blinded by the dinnerware that the cook is polishing, and we hear Okay, the music so thank you for again. saying that it was dinnerware, because I wrote polishing a crystal question mark. <laughs> I did not know what it was. <laughs> All I, I just because there's like a cart of like there's like a tea kettle and some like glasses oh. and on, I was like, sure, her. sure. She's polishing her ceremonial quartz, like nothing to see here. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> why are, why is she doing it in the hallway is the other question. But um as, so the music starts again, the scary piano music and the word witch is whispered again the woman points the glare off of the knife i think at susie and she starts to feel weak and sick uh she then heads into the class and tells miss tanner who has started up the the practice and the routine and the warm-up that she does she feels sick but miss tanner tells her to work through it and she wants to see how she does she then passes out and wakes up in her new room She's being nearly drowned uh, by Miss Tanner, who's trying to like put an entire pitcher into her mouth. For some <laughs> reason, she's a like, big pitcher. Ha, 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 ha. like, like I don't, th- I don't exactly think she's conscious. Like, I don't think she can swallow right now. <laughs> she's like putting the whole lip of the pitcher like up against her teeth. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, like if I have a common cold, like don't send Miss Tanner. That is not the kind of like bedside manner I need. Aggressive. Um, she. 
she's being drowned, and then a doctor, Professor Vendergrast. <laughs> okay, I do not have. I don't have anything good to say about Professor Vendergrast. He is a creepily like. No, thank you. He's he's a creepily. It's true. He's really spooky. Yeah. Um. He tells her and Madame Blank and Miss Tanner that it's a hemorrhage from not not working out and then working out suddenly. Um, she's on bed rest for a week with a restricted diet and has to drink a glass of, quote, red wine every night. Spoiler alert, it's not red wine. This is bip. Uh, the school has had her things moved from Olga's without her content- consent, and now Susie and Sarah are sweet mates, sweet roommates. They have an adjoining door between the rooms. And I think they share a bathroom. I think that's how it works. Uh, Sarah, I don't know. I don't think it matters. It, I think we can move on except to the Except for that, it matters like a little bit, just that they have an adjoining door. Sarah goes to get changed for dinner. Okay, but but maggots, though. But maggots. But maggots are happening. Maggots, um, yeah. Susie begins combing her hair, feels the sensation, and discovers maggots in her hair and her hairbrush. All the women run out of their rooms because it's raining maggots from the ceiling. Dude, I could feel it. I was like, ooh. Uh, uh, like I, that was, worms and like maggots and like little crawly things don't bother me that much i don't know okay but just imagine one like imagine you're wearing kind of a loose t-shirt and one just kind of falls down the back of your shirt and you can feel like something squirming i mean yeah that's not like gonna be my favorite thing of the day but i would rather that than like a fly you and your fly I problem. Hate it. I mean, I don't like things that I can't like. I don't know where you are. You have too much power over me. Like you can fly away and come back <laughs> and like go up my nose, and I would never. So know. what about the bat scene? How do you feel about bats? But those are. I just. I feel like I don't like things that can infiltrate me without me knowing it. Like things that can fly in my ear and like. What in my about nose. spiders? Spiders, I feel fine about. I don't know. But why. spiders can like crawl into your orifices when you're sleeping. I guess I just, I don't know. I feel like spiders are easier. Although, like, I don't like any bugs, really. There's a story of me and my sister when she had her first apartment with her now husband. I think they were married then, too, actually. But I was at work, and I li- I worked right down the street from where they lived. And she called me in a panic, and she's like, you have to come over right away. So I came over, and it was because there was a spider in her apartment. And her husband was away, and then her and I, like, trying to get this spider, we, like, had to trap it under Tupperware. It was a whole scene. I wasn't that helpful, even though she thought I would be helpful. So, I don't, I just don't like bugs. But especially flies. That's pretty funny, um, because I just don't think bugs are that scary. I don't. I would rather, like, snakes, I love snakes. They just leave them alone. They don't owe you anything. Snark, snarks. I love a good snark. Sharks are fine. Snarks are also fine. Sharks, not fine. Don't shart. Aww. Sometimes you can't don't control trust, it. Don't trust a fart. It's true. So, Miss Tanner and Mark go up to the attic to inspect and see the it's spoiled food, spoiled food in a crate that has caused just, like, millions of maggots. There's so many. I don't think one single crate of food. Also, it, can I just say, I it's cured meat. They're salamis. They're cured meat. Yeah, I'm confused. This I'm stressed and also suspicious of the origins of these maggots. Uh, but why would the witches put get the They're maggots? They're not. Yeah, why? Are they supernatural maggots? I don't know. I don't. They learn everyone's secrets. I'm confused. Um, also, doesn't really go anywhere. 
So, Madame Blanc wearing a killer... Yeah, it's just, like, it's a very bizarre vehicle to get everyone sleeping in the dormitory so they can hear the director snoring. So that we know later on the director snores. I don't... Yeah, they could have just put her room upstairs. Or they could have made her stay in one of the guest rooms. I can't lie. I really loved the maggot turn of events, and I loved the dramatically lit ambient red light in the dormitory. So much red light. Yeah, but, um... I just am still confused by the maggots. Are they supernatural? Yes. I'm going to argue that yes, they are. Right? Because why else? How could so many maggots breed and be present? in salamis! And coming, like, leaking out of the ceiling. I don't know. In the salami, you guys. In the salami. Uh-oh. So, Miss Tanner. Nope, that's not where we are. Madame Blanc is wearing a killer black dress and pearls. She, this is one of her final film roles. Apparently this actress had some kind of like Harvey Weinstein style sexual harassment <gasps> suit and got blacklisted from like 1930s Hollywood. Oh my God. And yeah, it's like really interesting. I didn't read into it very much, but she was fantastic. I forget her name. Hmm. Okay. We'll learn when you look on IMDb. I'll keep going. Well, you know I am. <laughs> Already happening. So she tells the women that They'll be using the practice hall as a dormitory and that everyone is getting it ready and that the teachers and administrators will be staying there for the night as well. The women are all on little cots that look kind of comfy. The different areas are separated by hanging sheets. Sarah tells Susie that the teachers live in town and leave the school promptly at 930 every night. Mark pops up from the men's side and blows a kiss to Susie. And then the women have a little quarrel about who Mark really wants to fuck. Um, when all the women settle down to sleep, Sarah is disrupt- disturbed by strange snoring from someone on the other side of the sheet. She wakes Susie up and tells, the dire- tells her that the directress is here, and she's the one who's snoring. She tells her that last year, she stayed in one of the guest rooms upstairs. She heard someone get into bed in the room next to hers, and their snoring was so strange she never forgot it. It's like a whistling, gurgling noise. Um, the next morning, Madam... That- the day that Sarah stayed in this dormitory, the next morning, Madame Blanc came to her and told her that it was the directors who had slept in that room, and so she knows that's who's sleeping on the other side. The next okay, morning... Okay, I have to, uh, I have to revise my former statement, because it was not a sexual harassment scandal. It was a scandal wherein Joan Bennett, who's the actress, was in a car with her agent, and her husband went, like a little unhinged and shot the agent because he thought they were in like a romantic relationship. And then the agent got wounded and uh, uh, Bennett backed her husband and she was like, I support him. So then people just stopped offering her movie roles. I am apologetic that I thought she was a sexual assault survivor and that I spoke of it without all of the research done. And all I had to do was go to Wikipedia, so I'm double garbage. Whoops. It's okay. We all make mistakes. We're only human. After all. After all. So, maggots. Just kidding. We're way past that. Uh, No, it was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) So, the next morning, Daniel, the blind pianist, ties his dog up outside and heads in. The cook and Albert approach the building coming from shopping. The dog snarls and we hear Albert call out. Miss Tanner storms into the class where Daniel is playing and stops him. She tells him that the dog bit Albert and now he has to have stitches. She's yelling in his face and pulling on his tie. Daniel defends his dog 
Miss Tanner says she'll k- kill the dog if she ever sees him again. He he tells her that that's not going to happen and his dog is a good dog, etc. And that Albert must have done something to provoke him. Uh, she then throws his walking stick and yells some more. He calls her a bitch and tells her he's blind, not deaf. That night, Sarah goes to Susie's room and we hear the teachers walking away. Sarah thinks they are leaving the school, but Susie remarks in her half-asleep state that the exit is to the left and their footsteps are going to the right, somewhere in the school. Susie can't seem to stay awake, but Sarah is counting up counting footsteps. Daniel is... That night, Daniel's at a fun beer hall watching men do this great oh dance. God. And you know what I like about that bar? Spacious. It's very spacious. Really spacious. You're not on top of each other. You know, he's got plenty of room to walk. The nice um, server helps him out. It just seemed great. Unfortunately, his evening does take a turn. It does take a turn. But I, he had a good time at the beer hall. I would like to go there. Seemed fun. Me too. While walking through an empty plaza on the way home, the creepy music starts up again and the dog begins barking. Daniel calls out who's there and tries to settle the dog, which is whispered again and we see shadows on the building. Daniel and the dog are both hearing things. The dog then suddenly attacks and bites his throat and chews on him until people run up and chase him off. Can we pause for a second here? I need some clarification. So there's, you look mad. Are you upset with me? Yes. Are we in a fight? No, yeah. I was, like, upset about how low my drink is. That's why. Oh, that is a tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, there's a winged gargoyle on, like, one of these, like, pantheon-like structures, that right? That it zooms up to? That it zooms up to, and then the next time you see that facade, the gargoyle is gone. So the gargoyle seems to, like, fly and rush the dog and then possess the dog. I was also because we do see like a that? whooshing. We hear like a whooshing yeah. noise, and the same thing happens like later on. We like close up on these gargoyle heads spitting out the rainwater as it's coming down, like right before. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but I yeah I don't I'm so confused about how this magic works, but I don't know that it's a huge like. We just know that they possess the dog and he's the one who kills, you know. I just was like, if the gargoyle's not going to be a thing, let's not make the let's gargoyle make it a like a thing. We're like zooming yeah. in on it. I don't know. Yeah. I was, it's all like, he's not super concerned with plot and whether or not things make sense. Like clearly it's not a big concern of his. He just wants to make something pretty and scary, which I think. And it really is pretty and he's scary. He succeeded there. Um so Susie goes to Madame Blanc and asks her if anyone knows what happened to Pat. She tells her that Susie tells her that the night she arrived, she did catch two words Pat said, and those were secret and iris, but she doesn't know what they mean. Madame Blanc pretends, I think, to call the police and tell them. Um, later that night at the pool, Sarah confesses to Susie that it was her on the other side of the call box and that Pat was telling her something that night before Susie scared her off. And she's worried that the school will be on the hunt for who Pat was talking to and that they know that the two of them were friends. That night, Susie can't stay awake again, even though Sarah is telling her someone stole her notebook where she had all of her witchy notes in. And she's shaking her and and Sarah and Susie still can't stay awake. Sarah manages to manage to keep one page of her notebook because she kept it on her person. Susie falls asleep and Sarah is getting really spooked. She goes to see, she sees the light go on in her room from Susie's Adjoining room, rooms. From her adjoining room and goes into the hallway just as someone opens the door 
the adjoining door into Susie's room and sees her sleeping. Sarah goes up to the attic and we cut to someone opening a box with a razor or a shoehorn. I'm so I'm confused, but it was like a cut of someone in a hallway opening a box. And it's anyway, there's a pretty good chance. I did not notice that. Uh, It's very quick. Uh, Sarah goes up to the attic. Uh, She's moving quietly against the walls And someone reaches out from behind a door and grabs at her. She falls into some glass cabinets, I don't know, and then locks herself in another room. Uh, The person on the other side is trying to open the latch with this, like, shoehorny thing for minutes and minutes. Which is kind of funny because, like, (laughs) it takes so long and, like, aren't you magical? Like, yeah. Yeah, come on. There's got to be a better way. Because uh, it gives Sarah ample time to cower in fear. She's she, Don't fucking tell me you sent Pavlos up here with a butter knife. They did, like, And you though. couldn't even, like, help him out with a little bit of a, like, fucking incantation or something. Yeah. Yeah, just give him a whoosh. He's going... On this latch forever. For four minutes, yeah. Um... Sarah then sees a window up at the top of the wall and she starts stacking random precarious objects on top of each other in order it's to so climb slow. them. So slow. She goes so slow. She doesn't put the biggest ones on the bottom, which is her number one problem. Um, but she. Plus, like, uh, the funniest part of this shot is at first there is really high drama, like, prog music, and then it goes silent and you could just hear her going. <laughs> Yeah. As Pablos is like, yeah, and it's making like a squeaking noise as on the latch as he's trying to get in, or they, I don't know who's outside. Um, so I mean, I have to assume they sent Pablos to do this bullshit dirty work because Albert is too busy like bathing in blood, or you know, he's like, (laughs) Albert's getting his bow tie tied just right. Okay. So, um, somehow, Sarah managed to crawl out this little window, and she sees across the room an open door, and she jumps down without looking into this razor wire that she gets tangled in. I have to say, I, it was a good scare. It was, it was really re- unexpected. Yeah, I was like, <gasps> but I also looked down, maybe. Um, she gets tangled in it, and, and is all bloody, and faints or dies. She's really she, flailing for a while. Someone cuts her, cuts her throat. Mmm throw cut she dies yeah so someone reaches out from the door that was opening but yeah she's just flailing and flailing and we're like yeah no you're not getting out of I get this it. Like, i'm there i'm pretty sure i would just stay still the whole like, time well, i was like if you I've just had a good calm run. down you can you might be able to figure it out yeah. yeah like shimmy your way out of it but mm-mm. it's not gonna feel great but it's better than you gotta relax yeah, yeah. she's panicking um the next morning, Susie goes into Sarah's room, which has been ransacked. Miss Tanner happens to be walking by and tells Susie she left without telling anyone. Mark arrives behind her, and she goads him into saying that he heard Sarah leave at around 6. Susie doesn't think that that's true because she had just talked to Sarah, but she can't really remember. Susie calls Dr. Frank Mandel, a friend of Sarah's who's in town. Okay, has Frank Mandel been introduced before? They said it very, very briefly, like one sentence. She said, my friend is in, my friend's a doctor and he knows something, something, something. Oh, I missed it. But Maybe yeah, it's part very of the brief. problem with the continuity of this is that my dumbass wasn't paying attention. 
It's, you really have to, like, nothing happens and then they say one sentence that contains tons of information that you, like, really have yeah. to be paying attention to that one thing. But then, like, the things that they hammer home, like, Albert is a creepy child and Mark, Mark is, is Miss Tanner's henchboy. These things go nowhere. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, which I think is purposeful because it's, like, supposed to be sort of disoriented. I am disoriented. Yeah. Yes. Um, so they agree... She so she asks Dr. Frank Mandel on the phone if she's heard from Sarah or if she he knows where she is. They agreed to meet at a convention center in town. Miss Tanner and Madame Blanc are coming down the stairs and make a point of saying that they're going to call Sarah's father in Geneva. Outside the convention center, Frank tells Susie he tried to call Sarah's father, who's the Italian consulate in Geneva, but he wasn't there and won't be back until Monday. Frank urges Susie not to panic and that maybe Sarah and her father met up without telling anyone. He says he knows Sarah very well and she was... Yeah, a little, like, sexy father-daughter rendezvous, I guess. Weird, without telling anyone. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, He says that he knows Sarah very well. She was a patient of his three years ago because she had a nervous breakdown after the death of her mother and came to him for treatment. They remained friends. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. Um, they remain, remain friends. He tells her that um, Sarah has been concerned lately with notions slash wild ideas put in her head by a friend. She learned that the school was founded in 1895 by Helena Marcos, a Greek immigrant who the local people thought was a witch. Also, I mean, I get like Greek immigrant, like, well, I don't know. I don't know, like, that you had to make them kind of brown? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, Marcus had been expelled from several other European countries, was persecuted by religious persons. She wrote several books, and among her initiated, she was called the Black Queen. She settled in Germany and founded the Tam Academy, which was a school of dance and occult studies, but in 1905, she died in a fire. The school was taken over by her favorite pupil, and the occult studies were abandoned, and it became the revered school it is now. Frank then asserts... Hmm. I was just going to say, it was. I'm listening to the last podcast on the left series on Aleister Crowley right mm. now, and I was like, Helena Marcos was like an Aleister Crowley that really got it cooking. Like, right. She really made it happen. Yeah. She did it for herself. Um, and wasn't just, like, fucking everyone. Ladies doing it for themselves. (laughs) Um, the, let's see. Yeah, Aleister Crowley had a lot of weird, like, scat sex, and, um, I know too much now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe, like, I mean, keep that between you and your consensual partners, you know? I don't need to hear about it, Aleister. I really want to know. Um, so. Don't stop eating poop. Ew, 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 I no. mean, do whatever you, as an adult person, want. Let's move on from this. But let's get How about on that. With yeah. it. Um, <laughs> Frank asserts that the that belief in magic and occult is a mental illness, and broken mirrors don't bring bad luck. Broken minds do. Frank introduces Dr. Millis. Um, yeah, if Frank wasn't uh, offensive and like reductive enough, we now have Dr. Millius, who's basically like all women are evil. <laughs> oh my god it's also like so funny how he's introduced he just like sees him across the courtyard and is hey he's like perfect the man me. on the yeah dr millius <laughs> the, 
the authority on the exact topic you need assistance with is right here. Amazing. Amazing. So he introduces Dr. Milius to Susie, and he wrote a book called Paranormal or Magic. And then Frank exits stage left to and never comes back. Susie, I don't miss him. <laughs> he's fine. Uh, Susie asks Dr. Milius if he believes in witches, um, and he responds that it's an important psychiatric study and that witches are malefic and their knowledge of the art of the occult gives them tremendous power that can change events in people's lives, but only for harm. Bow, bow, bow. Bow, bow. Their goal is to attain great personal wealth, but only at the expense of others. They can cause suffering, sickness, and death to those who offend them. She asks, Sounds like Jeff Bezos, am I right? Bum, bum, bum. Right. I mean, all wealth is attained at the expense of others. Um, so, he, so she asks him about Helena Marcos. Um, and he tells her that she was a great mistress of magic. And um, he tells her a woman who becomes queen of her magic is a hundred times more powerful than her coven. And the coven's strength relies on its leader. It's like a serpent. If you cut off its head, it loses all, loses all its power. That night, Susie is pissed about her regimented food and wine. She goes to look for Mark and can't find anyone except for the cook who tells her everyone else is at the theater. Uh, she seems a little like she's got FOMO. She's like, why didn't anyone tell me we were going yeah, to Yeah, kind of true, though. Like, what the fuck? Nobody They're like, actually, shit. we're doing, yeah, we're doing a ritual to, like, try to get Helena Marcos into your body, so. <laughs> so we're busy. Um, Sorry, we give you, you can't a call. come with us. You can't sit with us. Uh, Susie calls Frank and tells him strange things are happening, but just then the thunder claps and the lights and the phone go out. And then she doesn't try again. She just kind of gives up. Goes upstairs, dumps all of her food and and wine in the toilet. But now we she see had the, like a full like piece of bone marrow or something. It was like it was the weirdest like, fucking food. Threw it in the toilet, and I'm like, that's not gonna help. Um, so she throws this wine blood in the sink, and then it's really thick, and that doesn't seem to freak her out enough. I was like, you should be fucking freaking out. You've been drinking this, and it won't rinse down the sink. There's a reason. Uh, so she opens the bathroom window and a bat flies in and attacks her. It gets which was pretty fun. It's so cute. I thought you were going to be freaked out because it's like the fluttering noises are like. I didn't love the fluttering noises, but I do think bats are cuter than birds. Don't at me. I mean, bats are cute, but so are birds. You can at me if you want. Um, so the it gets injured or or something because it then starts scuttling along the floor towards her. Instead of flying. The way she kills it, I was like, oh, She oh then my covers goodness. it with a towel and smashes it with a stool until the it, like, seeps blood through the towel. Um, I'm like, it was already wounded. Just toss it out the window. Yeah, let it go. Um, so she, in her room, she hears Sarah, she reads Sarah's notebook and smokes a cigarette and then listens to the footsteps and counts them so she can find out where they're going. She follows the path and must sneak by the cooks who are aggressively chopping meat and they almost That's catch so her. Uh, she discovers... Also, like, why are they twins? I, I'm so... Are they also witches? Or are they I don't just, know. like... Are they're they complacent? complacent? Yeah. In this, complicit? Um, <laughs> they're also complacent. Um, they're also very into chopping meat, like... They're having a grand old time. They're having laughs. I'm so happy for them, honestly. Yeah, that's all you can hope for. Uh, we flash... Uh, nope. So she... Um, she discovers that the footsteps stop at Madame Blanc's office that is carpeted, so that's why the footsteps stop there. She looks around for a clue, 
and looks in the mirror and sees behind her the iris. We then flash back to Pat in the doorway the night that she died, up close on her mouth, and she's saying, three irises, turn the blue one. Susie goes to the irises. It's like a sort of like metal relief on the wall, on this wallpaper. It's very cool. It's beautiful. Uh, She turns it and a door opens. She enters a blue curtained room that leads to a hallway with beautiful black wallpaper and inscriptions painted on them. The hallway leads her to a room where Madame Blanc, Miss Tanner, Albert, and another unnamed teacher are all standing together. You know that she's bad because she's an old lady with a lot of hair that's like dare she have hair. Yeah. Um, Madame Blanc is sitting in a chair and everyone's surrounding her and she's talking about um, getting rid of that bitch of an American girl. Miss Tanner brings her a, like a wafer. It's like very a little Catholic. I, I, I'm confused. Did you say Catholic? Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> Catholic. Catholic. Um, and then brings her a jug and then Madame Blanc. Blanc calls to Helena to give her power, and then the lights start to flicker. Um, Madame Blanc chants sickness and death, and then Susie, like, gets a shudder. Um, She stumbles upon Sarah's body behind the curtain where she's hiding, and there's nails through her eyes and her arms, and she's all bloody. Um, Pavlos has Sarah's lighter that he had been coveting earlier, and he sees Susie, Susie runs into another room and hears the strange snoring from the from the cots from earlier. Um, so we know that it's the directress, and we see a sleeping silhouette behind, uh, like, a sheer curtain. She knocks over a peacock and croquet balls um, <laughs> that okay, go yeah. skittering across the floor. Yeah. So the decorative peacock is only important because it shatters and yeah. there's many shards. Uh, but it was a confusing object, and I don't know where the croquet balls came from, but they roll across the floor to uh, Helena Marcos's bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... It wakes Helena, um, and she is, like, croaking that she's been expecting her, the American girl. Uh, Susie picks up one of the glass shards um, and holds it up as if to stab. She pulls back the curtain, but no one's there, but there is an oppression in the bed. A disembodied, the disembodied voice wheezes and giggles and is taunting her. Um, it says, death is behind the door. The door opens and Sarah's dead body comes at Susie with a knife. With its nails in the eyes, it's very scary. Um, it is scary. And it's laughing. The corpse is laughing and the in- disembodied voice is giggling. Um, Susie looks at the place where Helen- Helena should be and she sees an outline every time the lightning strikes. And so she stabs at the form uh, a blackened, wrinkled figure materializes and die, dies. Things start exploding. We see Madame Blanc, Miss Tanner, and Pavlos all bleeding and suffering. The walls are cracking. Shit's exploding. She's trying to run out of the house. Um, she's not. She's not um, effective. She's no, she's not. She's like my dress is so flowy. Oh my goodness. Uh, she's yeah, wearing so she, heels yeah. the whole time. This whole time. She is not uh, competent at running out of the house. No. And she doesn't make it happen quickly, but thankfully she makes it. She runs out with a smile on her face just as the school goes up in flames. So. Finn. Finn is the end. I feel like I've been Incredible. talking for years. Yes. For years and years. It was so good. So, 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 so good. 
So, uh, fun fact about the color scheme. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this. I'm ready. So, as you probably read, Bex, uh, they, um, the character of Susie is based off of Snow White from the 1937 Disney film, and the Technicolor uh, landscape and set design was also based off of that movie. And this is one of the last feature films ever released in Technicolor, and it used the last remaining Technicolor machine available in Rome. Aww. Cool, right? That's fun. So technically, this movie is incredible. Like, the things that the lighting designer did, the way that um, Argento directed the actors and actresses, and the way that the set design is, like, everything about this is dreamy AF, mm-hmm. but we've got problems, you guys. Of course we have problems. It is, we yeah. We've got problems. It's, uh, like, I would recommend watching this movie. It's just, like, it's fun. There are funny parts to it. It's scary. It's beautiful. It's free. It's free. Um, yeah, but it does have, like... So I want to read also, um, it does have some problematic parts. Before we start, like, shitting on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about Luciano Tavoli, who was the lighting designer and photographer for this movie. And uh, when I read this, I was like, oh, wow. He said, I decided to intensively utilize primary colors, blue, green, and red, to identify the normal flow of life, and then apply a complementary color, yellow, to contaminate them. So... When you see, like, these very highlighted blues, greens, reds, you know that um, nothing, like, out of the ordinary is happening. But the contamination of the yellow and that super technicolor, like, coming alive of the set is how you know, like, something is upsetting the normal balance. Basically, this whole thing is just, like, an incredible self-contained fever dream. Mm. I love it so fucking much, but I guess we have to get into it. We do have to get into it. Um... I don't know. What do you want to, like, get into first? How terrible it is? We might as well, yeah, we might as well start with ableism since it's the most glaringly offensive part of this movie. Oh, my God. So. I don't even know. Basically, our first, like, real introduction to the school is that there is a blind man employed there that ties up his, um, seeing eye dog outside the school, right? Mm -hmm. Daniel. So he's the pianist. So first of all, the categorization of um, Daniel as the piano player is just kind of like weird, like Stevie Wonder, Beethoven being deaf and playing. Like, it's just like a very weird depiction of a disability that feels like super one note. Like he can't see. So he developed his other senses to become extraordinary, you know, to be able to work at this like acclaimed school. (laughs) Like, it's just like. It left, like, a weird taste in my mouth. Um, obviously, uh, the result of Daniel's disability is his violent death because he obviously has a seeing eye dog. Uh, so he's vulnerable to the outside influence of these witches because he can't see to protect himself purportedly. And also the dog ends up being the vehicle by which he dies. So his disability is criminalized because... His seeing eye dog, I mean, basically for no reason, right? Like, he is a obviously valued employee of the school that has apparently no beef with anyone. But then they just kind of, like, want to start shit. So they start shit and they fake 
Albert being bitten by the dog and or provoke the dog magically into biting Albert. So they essentially just prey on Daniel seemingly for fun because he is disabled. So I think it has to do, like, so, yeah, they prey on him because he's disabled and it's clear that, like, Miss Tanner doesn't have any respect for anyone with, who's that, like, outside of her her little witch coven, um, but especially Daniel, because she, like, comes at him immediately and is yelling at him and throws his walking stick and is, like, touching him. And and then, the, like, what is mentioned by Dr. Milius is that um, witches gain their monetary wealth from hurting others. So I'm assuming that every once in a while they just, like, have to hurt people in order to maintain this wealth. And the school right. and whatever powers they have, right? So, but they just killed a girl. So I don't know. Two, two women. I, I, so Why I don't are they know. killing off their own students, a.k.a. potential cult members? Yeah, okay. doesn't it seem like then people will come asking for them? How much Shouldn't they be they recruiting? Uh, obviously, the school's matrons, uh, who are the people that we discussed Previously, chopping meat gleefully mm-hmm. uh, are coded as ugly. They're sort of like rectangular and they have uh, like always these really like dour expressions on their faces. Except for when um, they're alone and chopping meat and then they're happy. And they're like having a blast. And then, uh, of course, Pavlos is coded as ugly and so he's relegated, excuse me, relegated to a life of servitude, uh, essentially. Um, not like completely bought into the coven because I don't think his um, physical appearance permits him to be fully accepted, but he is allowed to sort of do their bidding. Yeah, and be so their he's boy. their servant, but he doesn't have any power. But they also, I don't know if like if Miss Tanner just tells everyone that he's too stupid and he only speaks Romanian, so they can't. But we we see him understanding people throughout the movie so like maybe he's their like secret like people talk around him because they think that he's he can't understand them so yeah i don't know how i don't think he has any power at all they do give him the lighter that he wants um that's nice yeah a little consolation prize he 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 has new teeth he was able to get new teeth i'm so confused Um, miss tanner is disrespectful of him obviously Uh, she doesn't respect him. She doesn't hold him in any regard outside of his position as a servant in the household. And I don't understand his position in the actual coven. Again, it just seems like because he is coded as less than, he's responsible for um, taking care of their needs without any actual buy-in. I I do like that. Uh, I'm like, sorry I'm again aggressively applying lotion. Do you, lotion. Do you need more? I'm so Okay, so I have a pretty new uh, container of Lubriderm that Adam broke the little spout on, like, the first day we had it. Mm. So I have to, like, carefully position. But I'm just so dry, you guys. Don't come at me. It's okay. Your hand looks so shiny. I'm an alligator. I do, like, I appreciate the, like, women ordering men around. Like, I like the way that they make Mark do whatever they want. Um, yeah, and with Mark, for, I'm, I'm totally down, because Mark is, like, a hot, able, able-bodied boy. Except for that they're ordering him around because he's poor. Like, oh yeah, he literally that. can't, you know, he doesn't have any other recourse, so he has to do it because he's poor. So he's also in a in a less powerful position already. But it's, it's really icky to see, um... First of all, to see, like, a cast 
pretty much dominated by female characters that are pretty complex. Outside mm. of the fact that we get very little, uh, like, background to Susie or Sarah's history, we do get to see, like, different kinds of women on screen um, portraying, you know, right. different parts of the school. Antagonists, so protagonists, that, like, people in power. Right. People, yeah, so. So the fact that this movie and Argento had to be like, well, we have to be othering someone at some point, and they had to sort of put this, like, really weird through line of othering people and, um, like, marginalizing people with disabilities is just, like, gross and weird, and I feel like a missed opportunity to be a little bit more equitable. But it was 1977. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't like, know. why? You didn't have to do this. You didn't it have to. It didn't have to, to be this it, offensive. It, I got nothing from it. You know, they didn't add anything or, you know, it just took away from a beautifully made movie. Right. Beautiful. Uh, so we want to talk about classism, a.k.a. our poor angel Mark. Mark. Yeah. So there's like a, they talk about money a lot in this movie, but in very subtle ways. Like they discuss that witch's ultimate goal is material wealth, which feels really hollow. And I don't think that was like superficiality is really what would serve the witches the most. Um, and then also that they are like, they charge students fees for the school that are presumably really high because some of them Pretty, can't like, afford Pretty, like, insurmountable them. for people. Yeah. And our protagonist clearly doesn't care about money. She has plenty of money. She is willing to pay this $50 a week extra to live where she wants to live. She comes from New York. She dresses really nicely. So I, I just, I don't know. It's a little bummer. I wish she was, like, a little poorer girl. You know, I feel, I would feel better about it. But, um. I think it's weird that the concept of, like, classist, uh, looks, I mean, obviously, I guess, like, going to an elite dance school is sort of an experience in capitalism and classism. In general. And then they, they make remarks, like, other students make remarks about, like, needing money. Like, one, the woman who wants to sell her her ballet shoes, and then Susie gets really weird about it. Right. And doesn't want to talk about money, which is an American concept. Nobody wants to talk about money. I love talking about money. God, I don't have any, so what's there to talk about? I love knowing what people make because I think it's also important for um, women and uh, non-binary people, marginalized people, people of color to talk openly about their salaries because we're all making less than cis white men. So they, they don't want us to know how much we're all making, which is why it's like, a weird capitalist taboo to talk about how much you make but the more you can talk about it and be transparent about it the more power you have to change it so right. i just am like what do you make what do you make what do you make <laughs> uh, yeah i don't i don't i mean i think because i never really had a lot of money i don't really care about talking about money yeah and seriously i don't I'm hold not, it like, near and dear i don't love like I hate when uh, rich people are remain rich. I hate that. But other than that, I don't really. I want to yeah, dismantle seriously. everything and burn all the money and forget about it. So, I mean, money is not real at all. It's so it's kind of stupid that everything is stupid about capitalism. Mm-hmm. But money is just a fake made up concept um, designed to keep marginalized people in their place and suffering under the thumb of poverty when everybody else in the ruling class is hoarding wealth. So... Everyone should be able to go to their own witchy dance school and become part of a coven right. if they want to. 
And money shouldn't be a barrier to access, bitch. And you shouldn't, yeah, Mark shouldn't have to be running around doing stupid people's errands for them just so that he can can live out his dreams. Why did Mark have to be the one to deal with Maggot Gate? I mean, Mm. come on. Him and his little overalls. His overalls are very cute. I kind of want to French braid his hair. It's, he has luscious uh, blonde locks. Um, so this is a concept that comes up again and again in horror movies and sometimes on this podcast. Uh, but we, of course, talk a lot about the occult. Um, and through the eyes of professors Mandel and Milius, we see the othering of the female witch. Uh, so these two men are white men in positions of power in psychiatry. So they are able to exercise a lot of agency and um, pretty tenuous and questionable power dynamics over presumably some female patients. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, ew. It's like ew. White males in position of power in mental health fields, like, ew. It's um, also like the patriarchy doesn't give any women any way to like, to assert dominance over men except for become a witch and bend their will towards Yeah, them. and, like, like get into, a- like, a really insular coven and <laughs> yeah. start wealth hoarding. That's it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's your only way you're going to beat these men, you know? So, yes, these white men in positions of power code witchcraft and women and femme identifying people that turn to witchcraft as inherently evil, evil mm-hmm. when uh, they are the marginalizing force and the patriarchy is the thing that puts people in this position to begin with. Uh, so I thought that was not a nuanced look at no. the female witch. Um, and I think we've talked about it before. Like, either she is, like, a young sexual object, like the dancers, or she's, like, Miss uh, Tanner, and she's, like, old and unfuckable, mm-hmm. uh, and she wears, like, the Matilda fucking... Who's the teacher from Matilda that's not Miss Honey? I don't. I've never seen Matilda. Trunchbull. She wears like Miss Trunchbull style outfits and has like some crazy, you know, sort of masculine, very sterile, (laughs) very stern. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not fuckable, you're unfuckable. Mm -hmm. And there's, um, there's, that's the binary. There's no nuance in between. Uh, and you're definitely evil because you're female, but at least try to be fuckable. I mean, God. How dare you? You're supposed to be lean. And have long, curly 70s hair and nothing else. I wish I had that hair. It's pretty good hair. Um, the, it's so she, fluffy. How do they get it so fluffy? She needs, um, like, something done about those eyebrows where it'll drive me, like, so, a teensy bit crazy, but. Listeners will know that I've been obsessively applying lotion, so now I can no longer grip my wine glass. So that's the situation <laughs> that we're in over here. <laughs> You're slipping up. Um, Wait, what's wrong with her eyebrows? Susie's eyebrows? I don't love them. I'm not a super huge fan of those eyebrows, but I think it's because they're so light, but also so thick. I don't know. All right, I'm going to Google You're images, getting you guys. Ready. Also, the, oh no, they're great. Mm, um, we can agree to disagree on that. I don't know. Um, I don't get why they made Dakota Johnson like a carrot top redhead in the remake. Oh, she in the remake? Which one's Dakota Johnson again? You gotta give me other stuff she's in. Is that her name? Dakota... Wait, Susie Banyan. I think it's that's her name. Cut this out in post. Bum, bum, she's, bum. uh... Yes, Dakota Johnson. She's, uh... She plays the, like, female protagonist in uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey 
movies. She's got, like, the gap in her tooth, and she's very, like, kind of, like, pale, ethereal, witchy looking. Mm-hmm. I should just Google it, because I'm not going to get it. I mean, you could if you don't mind. Um, I feel like I'm wasting a lot of time. We are wasting a lot of time. Let's forget it. Um, the One of the articles I read referred to, like, this, the, um, the evil coding of witches as a patriarchal castration anxiety of the powerless male which i thought was pretty concise that's pretty much (laughs) yeah that's pretty much it i think that's where we should leave it to be honest with you (laughs) um uh i mean i guess we could talk about Susie as our final girl but she's not that interesting she's really not that interesting um she's smart and she's willful right but she also makes like a lot of weird decisions like like, going back to school in the first place and being like, oh, this blood-flavored wine feels okay to it's drink. It's totally normal. Yeah, I'm So totally that is dead. something that I really liked about the remake, which I think we should cover at some point, is it does do a pretty interesting subversion of Susie Banyan as the final girl, which uh, is way more complex and way more fun to watch than mm. uh, Susie in this movie. She also... Um, we got another Bork alert, people. Uh-oh. My husband is home. Uh, so I do think that, like, Sarah is really interesting. Like, she's skeptical and she's smart and she misses her friend and she wants sort of to bring justice to her death, I think. Yeah, and it's kind of weird that, like, she's not really allowed to experience grief at all, but yeah. she sort of cl- claims it for herself anyway. And she dies a very brutal death we have to watch her rise around in some wires and then her dead body is used to torment her friend so like that yeah doesn't seem fair and she's the she's the one sarah justice for sarah she's the one who's really taking agency for herself um and yeah she's like Susie, can we do this and Susie's like i am drugged by blood because i don't know how to say no so sleepy i um also no one's like watching her drink or eat this so she could have been like no I'm just going to go yeah. steal some uh, food from the kitchen or go, go outside the school yeah. and get a cheeseburger. Yeah. Go get a fucking wiener schnitzel mm. out there, girl. Go to that beer hall with Daniel. He seemed like yeah. a good time. Maybe you and Daniel could have forged a beautiful friendship and been fine. Uh, but no. But alas. But yeah, Sarah got um, the worst treatment of anyone. Daniel got, you know, it's like... Daniel got the worst treatment. That's true. Yeah. Daniel did. And I did like... I thought it was funny. I thought he was kind of funny and fun. And he like... Got, I liked him. He got pissed. He was when, like, don't yell at me. Like, Jesus. I'm just trying to see. I'm, I'm like, a brilliant good. pianist. And I'm going to go yeah, find myself a school. Yeah, I'm a brilliant pianist. School. And I don't need this. Yeah. I'm going to find a school not run by a coven of witches. So go fuck yourself. I will say for Daniel, he could have crossed that plaza a little faster. Just going to throw that out there. You could have just kept walking. Just run away on. from the gargoyle. You don't need to know what it is. There's a whooshing sound. Get away from it. Um, De-whoosh. <laughs> de-whoosh yourself. De-whoosh yourself. Do you want to talk about uh, the ballerina and the female body? Fuck, I, I know you've been waiting know. to talk about this I've whole time. I've been itching for it. Um, Drop it on me. Ballerina in a crisis is my name for this trope um, that comes up again and again, most recently in Black Swan, but literally so many movies. Okay, I know people really like Black Swan, but no. Uh-oh. I like it. I don't it. like it. No, I don't like it. Um, It's, like, disturbing and weird and probably really problematic now that I think about it, Um, but yeah. I think it's really problematic. I haven't seen it in years, but I remember being like, mm-mm. Mm, this is bad. Yeah, it's bad, but, like, in a, like, 
spooky, fun sort of way. I don't know. Maybe because I live with mental illness, I'm like, this isn't enjoyable. It's also, you know? yeah, like, very, it's very reductive. And it's like, multiple right. personalities manifest themselves when a ballerina is in a crisis. Um, yeah, and, like, dissociative identity disorder and multiple personalities have, like, the psychiat- the psychiatric community has, like, come a long way on those diagnoses and, like, how they talk about it. And I was like, no. But, yeah, Law & Order is like, but this makes for fun TV. So we're going to say that people have multiple personalities, you know, so. I, we can't talk about Law & Order ain't right great. now. Um, <laughs> we don't have the time. I don't, I don't have the capacity. Um, okay, so go on. So ballerina and a crisis tropes are centered around the body in the political field um, and a mm-hmm. body emoting and moving and centered around self. But female bodies on screen are usually seen through the male gaze and therefore dehumanized and subjected and and are turned into a literal object all of the time. It's like in this movie, she's like forced when she's sick, she's like forced to do these movements, even though she's feeling sick. Um, Sarah's body is used as a tool against someone else, against her will, without her consent. Um, Historically, dancers in film are out of control of their own image and are reduced to this object, just like in Outside Black Swan. of Black Swan, what are some other examples? Some, like, older ones that I truthfully haven't seen, like oh, I pointed think they shoes or... The Red Shoes The Red Shoe, that, yeah. Yeah, 1948, that's sort of, like, the origin of that trope. But it's a big, like, um, thing in theater and in ballet. Um, ballet. Ballet. That's super interesting, and I think um, you see that sort of even more in the remake because in the remake they focus more on like the dance as the spell casting so and it's not a co-ed school it's like only women Mm. um in the in the remake so it's sort of even more plays into that where you see like these women in these super like primal um like aggress not aggressive but like really really um like possessed like dance moves just Mm. sort of like moving without their own agency because it's like part of the of the magic or whatever uh i got like a lot of this um is from the article i read the ballerina body horror spectatorship female subjectivity and abject in dario argento's suspiria the abject comes up again it does come up again i didn't read a ton into it but it's basically like yourself and your body are tied and so your idea of mm-hmm. living is tied to your body again uh what did we talk julia cristeva in, in the thing in the thing yeah um yes. but Love also it. it's interesting i think that like this in inab- this abjection and this becoming an inanimate object is also tied to virginity because ballerinas are these like ethereal animals or dolls or fairies or something like unattainable and is in search of this like perfect version of a of a woman and that yeah ballet a figure that is like slender flexible mm-hmm. slight like not overly large breasts like right. very small very like childlike in their appearance word up untouchable um and gross and ballet has people are roots. so gross about virginity in this country i hate everything and many countries actually and, but uh, i only have experienced it here only here uh, yeah god just watch literally any movie and like somebody's virginity will come up um ballet has roots in european etiquette uh female movements are precise and delicate 
And Judith Butler's theory on gender is that of just stylized repetition of acts, which is also interesting because gender is a social construct. Um, and the body is a machine and therefore must be subjected to torture and physical punishment in order to attain its ultimate goal of femininity and the idealized form. And that's straight fucked up. That is straight fucked up. So women got to do a Should lot. We, we got to be perfect, you know? Yeah, we have to do so much more to just be allowed to exist. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. I just put an ice cube <laughs> back in my did you get Ice that? drop. Um, All right. Anyway. So next week we're doing As Above, So Below, which is viewable on Netflix. So we're trying to open it up and try to do some more movies that are available for free if you have uh, certain streaming services. If you don't uh, have streaming services and you can't afford it, sometimes local mutual aid groups will, um, if you find that resource, people will like share their login so that you can listen to things or uh, watch things on their like streaming service, uh, which is a really cool thing that mutual aid networks do. So we'll try to make it a little more accessible uh, and we're excited to talk about As Above, So Below, which is pretty stupid. I really liked it, though. But you really like it. It is fun. Yeah. It's a fun little movie. Um, any other final thoughts on our little demented psychedelic romp of a movie? Just such a crazy, beautiful fever dream. It's just a shame it doesn't just do a little more. I really want to watch the remake and talk to you about it because okay. I think that it'll be like a really cool comparison that we make. Yeah, I want to but watch the movies in the trilogy. I want to watch the second one. Let's I kind of want to watch it. Black Swan now. So I I'll do it for you. Okay. But right. I remember being thinking, ew, ew. Is it the finger ew. scenes? The like you know I can't deal with that shit. Stop it! I'm Why sorry. would you even bring that up? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, Bitch. what are we gonna fuck? Uh, fuck. <sighs> I just have to say, like, fuck capitalist, internalized working culture. Like, the idea that you have to be valued by what you produce is bullshit, and I'm mm-hmm. fucking tired of it, and I'm worn it out. Is bullshit. We didn't talk. We didn't have to, like. We didn't get into race, and that this is the whitest movie, and that uh, obviously, black, like in people, no of black color people, yeah, exist in other places. They live in, you know, they live in everyone Germany. lives yeah. everywhere. Like there are black people in Germany. Yeah, it's super super white. Uh, obviously, it's uh, problematic as shit. So fuck the fact that Dario Argento couldn't put one person of color, and the fact that the like witch leader of this coven, who is inherently evil, is Greek, which is and sort an of like a person yeah. of color and an immigrant. Super problematic as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fuck that. Yeah, and um, kind of fuck Joe Biden. Like, sorry, you guys haven't gotten your money yet, but I'm pretty sure we all knew this was gonna happen. Bum 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 bum. Who's buying and fuck bum. Yeah, fuck bombing Syria. That just fucking happened this week. Um, fuck racism. Um, fuck ableism. Fuck ableism. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck body ideals for anyone, women, yeah. men, non-binary people, gender is a social construct. Um, fuck the concept of gender that is, like, really damaging and reductive to a lot of our comrades. Right. Um, but don't fuck beautiful cinematography and color theory um neon and stained glass can we bring black bring back beautiful wallpaper and stained glass whatever happened to that i am like planning the future home that i buy already where adam will be like wow i've married an insane person but he already knew that 
So uh, at spooky succubus underscore cast on Instagram, we have been failing at life. So we haven't been posting that much because we're dead. Um, but we'll we'll do stuff, you guys. We swear. I promise. And I uh, tried to make, on- if you want to see my, my beautiful iMovie that Instagram wouldn't let me put up, go to TikTok. I wonder if we can put it on the Patreon. Maybe. It is on TikTok. It's living there. I got three comments, so... Nice. We're very famous on TikTok. I'm so famous. Eight legs. Get ready, guys. Uh, (laughs) And then if you want to come see us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash spooky succubus cast. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. If you're still here. Wow. We don't know why you're still here, but we appreciate you. Yeah. Ooh, we went an hour and a half today. Giving the people what they want. (laughs) All right, kitty cats. All right, kitty cats. Bye. Bye. Bye.